the easy way to think about it is a tomato is 95% water. So the gondolas you see on the road, uh, the two of them, they go in pairs. They're uh, roughly 28 tons of tomatoes uh, in a gondola. Uh, so 95% of that, roughly 9, 25, 26 tons of what you're seeing is water. It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. Usually when we talk about the food system, we're concerned with getting enough water to produce the food, but we need enough water for people too. Well, my guests today are able to talk about this in a couple different ways. One is the sustainability story. The other is people need water. And we've got a source that is, I'd say, under our nose. Uh, I could say on our plate as well. And we're going to talk about that. How we get food from a source we don't think about. We think about putting water into food. But what about getting water out of food? And I am happy to welcome... Greg Pruitt with Ingemar Packing Company, and Terry Paul. Terry is the founder and the CEO of Botanical Waters, also known as BWT. Welcome to both of you. I want to start with Terry. So Terry, uh, explain your company, and then I'm going to have us have a conversation about what we're doing here at one of the leading processing tomato plants in the world, and having a discussion about a role the water plays and how you can get more out of the water. But first, introduce your company, if you would. Thanks, Roger. Uh, thanks for having me, and um, thank, thank you for a generous uh, introduction. It's an interesting view of uh, putting water into plants and then taking water back out. And I guess we sort of have a version of that where we, we say botanical water technologies, we grow water. So it's an, an interesting way to describe what we do. Of course, we don't um, uh, grow fruit and vegetables and sugar cane to take the water out. What we do is we cleverly attach our technology, our processing equipment, to existing industries. Industries like tomato processors, you know, Ingemar, Greg's business, where they're making tomato ketchup, for example, or they're making alcohol, or they're making sugar, these industries, and they all use a large evaporative process to do that and we catch the evaporative condensate we run it through our purification process our equipment and we create clean environmentally safe drinking water now greg you're in the business of processing tomatoes you're getting processing tomatoes into your plant and you're producing diced but also tomato paste and you are one of the largest in the world a highly respected processing plant and the tomato industry and you've got a, a connection with this that's pretty interesting because you're out here in the middle of a virtual desert practically uh, and it's becoming more of a desert all the time here in California you're taking water out of the, of the plant in a way because you're shipping paste back to the East Coast and around the world where they're adding water in to be able to make salsas and, and other things like that and ketchup that Terry just mentioned. So how did you work out this connection 
that you're working with Terry and your plant is looking at, explain what, what brought you together and where you are right now in this, this magic of trying to make better use of the water that's already in the tomato plant. Great, great to see you again, Roger. The, we're, we're farmers, as you know, and um, we are growing many of the tomatoes that we process here at Ingemar. Um, we, we do farm in uh, what was once a desert, uh, and water is uh, very expensive and very limited. So when I heard about what Terry was doing, and that is finding a way to utilize the condensate water that, um, that we are creating at Ingemar and utilizing in a way that could benefit um, you know, our, our neighbors and, the, and the, you know, the people around us that are water deficient. Um, it, seemed, it just struck a chord with me because we're, we are taking the water out of tomatoes um, and then, <clears throat> as you said, concentrating the tomato paste and shipping it forward. That water that we're taking out wasn't being put to a, to a, 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 per, to a purpose that was really benefiting uh, the people in the community that, that need it. So the technology of botanical water is to clarify the, the, the condensate water that we have, make it potable, and then be able to find a mechanism to deliver to the people that need it. And it just, it was just, it just struck me as a, as a natural fit. So currently, I mean, getting to that stage, we're gonna get back to Terry here real, real quick, but getting to that stage, Greg, you're getting surface water and well water, which we're running out of because there's subsidence in the Central Valley, California. But here's some areas that the ground has sunk as much as 30, 40 feet. Big aquifers like a sponge that had all the water squeezed out of it and it gets lower and lower. And there's all kinds of problems because of that. So we don't have the groundwater. And we are, because of climate change and other issues, we don't get the snowpack. We're not getting the water. We got a drought. All of this sounds like the perfect storm, if you will, except it's not a storm. It'd be perfect if we had a storm in some, in some respects. And then you, you look at that, and, but you're, the impact you alluded to, I want to mention too, and that affects local communities as well. So people that live in the valley may not have access to water as well. So in addition to worrying about the tomato plant and how you're keeping it profitable and making best use of your resources, you evidently are spending a little time worrying about the neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> we, we have the resource now. We just didn't have a way to, to deliver it to the, the, the people that need it. And so that's, that's the connection with, uh, with Terry's, uh, Terry's business is that <clears throat> they, they have that model. And uh, they have a, uh, a, a model where, where you know, companies and, bought and major multinational companies can come in and, and purchase this water and then dedicate it, uh, donate it, if you would, to the communities that need it. Um, and so it's, it just it seemed to be a natural fit. And it's, uh, it's really, this is the, the test case uh, for what uh, they're trying to achieve, and that is to, to imprint these things all over the world, uh, close to where the demand is needed, uh, and uh, help solving the problem in, in a significant way. Well, Terry, he's going to have this connected back to you again. I'm, I'm curious at the very beginning of, of, where was the inspiration? Who saw this taking place? I mean, were you finding that you were on some, some flight around the world and you know staring into your coffee cup and, and it just occurred to you, I wonder where we're going to get more of this stuff. I mean, what was the, what was the trigger for you or for somebody else that said, wait a minute, we're missing an opportunity here. There's water that's being thrown away that, uh, that we should be looking at it differently. How did that happen? 
Yeah, we, Roger, we've, we've been making water in Australia for probably a decade. I, I didn't invent the process. It was actually invented by a chemical engineer who was part of the wine industry in those days, probably you know, 10, 12 years ago, and through the same process that Greg has with these t- tomatoes, as I call it, tomatoes as you guys call it, um, there was this aqueous liquid, I think, was the term they were using at the time, being thrown away, often to environmental detriment in some parts of the world. And he thought to himself, if we catch this and we can clean it up, we can make a new source of of water, of drinking water. I ran across uh, the inventor and the invention probably four or five years ago. And uh, our family office, the Paul family office, are investors. My, My contribution in those days was we thought it was a great idea and Maybe if we can invest in it and, and support and commercialise and corporatise the invention, we could make an impact in the world, both a, a social and, and an environmental uh, impact. But I fell, I've fallen in love, Roger, with the, with the whole business and, and really taken on an executive role as a CEO so that we can try to scale this. We can actually find a new source of water. There's something like three trillion litres, I'm doing it in litres, whatever that is in gallons, if you divide that by four you'll, you'll come up with a number of this botanical water thrown away in factories like Greg's all around the world each and every day. You know when Terry says that this is thrown away Greg and, and I don't know how many trillions you were saying, I can't even envision how much water that is, that sounds that saw it like solve a, a lot of problems. Uh, how are you getting your arms around it? Like in your your plant, are you able to say, uh, you know, identify how many you know how many thousands of gallons or something like this that are able to be utilized that people can can drink actually again rather than just being wastewater? How do you get how do you get your arms around how big that is for you and for say the tomato industry even in California? Well, water is a huge part of tomato processing. <clears throat> The, we need water to, uh, to rinse the tomatoes out of the gondolas that come to the factory. We need water to convey them uh, through the process. And we create water by uh, evaporating water out of the tomatoes. So it's like a water Disneyland out here. Um, we currently, historically, have you know, taken this water um, that once it's been used uh, and then uh, you know, uh, cleaned it up uh, and then um, sent it out to um, to uh, basically a, a wetlands uh, where it is uh, creating environmental benefit uh, by developing uh, natural wetlands and creating uh, a, a sanctuary for birds and animals uh, and doing some environmental environmentally positive things. So what we're ess- in essence we're doing with um, this botanical water opportunity is we're taking the, the, the cleanest stream of that water, <clears throat> the condensate, and we're separating it and we're, uh, we're purifying it through the botanical water system and making it potable and available to, uh, you know, for, for human uh, consumption. So it's a, uh, it's, it's a kind of a natural fit for us um, uh, in terms of how uh, we can we take this resource and, and, and deliver it to a, to a higher use. Greg, when I was driving to the plant today, I must have gone by eight trucks full of tomatoes heading your direction. And, and then I come into the plant and I see, I don't know how many are out there, they're waiting to get, to get processed. So the, all these folks that might see a great big tomato truck, how much of that is water? 
you know, if you were able to separate it, and they could just envision, I got this truck full of tomatoes, and and those that don't happen to be in California, they'll have to use their imagination, I guess. Yeah. But if you're in your California, get out, you can. So, how much of that in in volume is actually, you know, the solid you can use versus the the liquid that you're talking about using? The easy way to think about it is that tomato is ninety five percent water. Wow. Like a lot of vegetables, it's predominantly water. So the gondolas you see on the road, the two of them, they go in pairs. They're uh, roughly 28 tons of tomatoes uh, in a gondola. Uh, So 95% of that, roughly 25, 26 tons of what you're seeing is water. Wow. Now that, that is impressive. And that that would take care of a lot a lot of problems and, and of course I think from a health standpoint right now the thing I've been impressed with is that there's more and more stories about about how water is important to healthy people and and in fact water quality is actually tied water quality and quantity is tied to life expectancy we have a range of life expectancies here in the states that are as high as 88 in certain uh, really certain male uh, areas uh, but in some other zip codes, it's as low as 68. We got like 20 years, and water plays an important part of it. The quality, uh, the safety, the the availability, and then Terry, here you come with your company, and 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 we're going to connect the dots here just a little bit more. But explain what happens. I mean, it, from one standpoint, I get it. There's all this water that's in a lot of vegetables, not just tomatoes, but in other vegetables as well. Getting it out, is it kind of like squeezing a sponge, or is it, I suppose, much more complicated than that? Well, it's uh, complicatedly simple, really. Um, as I mentioned, the the process to make uh, tomato ketchup or tomato paste or any of those is we effectively evaporate the water out of the plant, the fruit. Tomato is a fruit. Some people may not know that either. Um, and we catch that evaporative condensate. When it cools, it's, it's, it's a liquid. It then runs through our equipment, our, our purification equipment. And out of the back of that is uh, beautiful water that uh, you can drink or we can donate into communities. We can put it back into the environment. We can do whatever the highest purpose use of that water is. So, Craig, if he evaporates it, then that leads to another one of your positive stories, and that's connected to it because it's the heat process that takes place. You got to do it anyway. You got it, and when you're creating your product, and one of the we should mention this that one of the side benefits of this process is you get a better concentration and availability uh, availability of lycopene that's from this process. So now you're adding to the fact that this is producing a more lycopene, which is a really powerful antioxidant, and lots of studies show in a connection that it's protective for prostate cancer and, and other issues. So that comes from uh, the canned tomatoes, but then before you even get it, you're even to evaporate it and, and be able to create this liquid. Pretty incredible. How'd you get so lucky to pick the right industry here? <laughs> Just that, lucky. <laughs> The tomatoes are uh, they're an amazing product. It's the second largest uh, consumed uh, 
um, vegetable slash fruit uh, in, uh, in the United States behind potatoes and it's used in many different products. Uh, so uh, we're, we're blessed with that. Um, and yes, it's, it's healthy. You know, ly lycopene is concentrated in tomato paste when we make it. Uh, when, uh, when tomato paste is used to manufacture sauces uh, and used in conjunction with, the, with, the, with eating oils um, along with it, it absor absorbs into the body and has a lot of positive uh, health benefits. Well, and it's also very safe with this process. I mean, I think one thing that when people are dealing with liquids, dealing with foods, uh, they're concerned about pathogens, they're concerned about other things that might get in it. But Terry, I would imagine that when you've got the evaporation process, you're just, you're just eliminating all this with, with this process. You don't have to worry about any pathogens passing through it or anything like that. Am I, am I jumping ahead here? The, the purification process takes out anything that shouldn't be in the water. Uh, we, we get basically crystal clean, great tasting water as the end result. Um, the evaporative condensate, without it sounding too technical to some of your uh, your listeners, is uh, I guess I like to call it sort of the a, a shadow of the of, of the fruit of the tomato itself. Um, it, it sort of does some of the heavy lifting, and then we polish it up and purify it and make it uh, great tasting in the end. This water is uh, award winning. It's won many many both technology and innovative uh, awards globally. In Australia, back in 2019, just pre-COVID, we won Beverage of the Year with this, which is the first time a water product has won. This is all beverages. So this is like the Academy Awards of, uh, of beverages in Australia, which is very, very unusual because everyone thinks that water is the same. But most importantly, this water is also local. Water should be local. There was a period of time where we were all uh, drinking water that was shipped from the Italian Alps or came from Fiji or came from you know, glaciers somewhere. And you'll find that in particular some of your listeners, you know, millennials, Gen Z or Gen Z as you would call it, are really looking towards um, sustainability. You know, their water and their food needs to be local. It shouldn't be traveling necessarily long distances if it can avoid it. And, and I think we fit really, really nicely into the, the, you know, the future in terms of where we're making, har you know, harvesting, purifying and consuming this water. It needs to be local. Greg, how much of your production will be able to, be, to fit into this use? Uh, uh, are you going to do it with, with everything that goes through your plant or, or just parts of it? We're, we're, the initial um, investment is, um, is a fairly small portion of our existing condensate flow. Um, <clears throat> the idea is that uh, once the market is developed and, and proven, if you will, we will we'll scale it and uh, increase the volume. Um, we, we can't send all of our water through the, the botanical unit because we still need some of it internally to do the things that we need to do. Um, so uh, it's not a, it's not a hundred percent, but we can uh, we can scale it significantly, uh, and it's uh, it's uh, millions of gallons of water, uh, you know, potentially that can come from this site. Yeah, and it's probably Roger worth noting just to give some perspective that uh, our standard water harvest unit, the, the ones that we've been using in Australia, th this unit was built here in the U.S. as well. We we sort of went with the made in the U.S. strategy. Everything's done here. Um, but, but a unit, and I'm going to do it in gallons, 
will generate around 6,000 gallons an hour uh, and can run 24 hours a day, seven days a week uh, through the through the harvest season. So it's still producing, um, you know, millions of litres of uh, of water. You know, um, Greg, I've probably given more attention to tomatoes, and I have to admit there are some other products too. And, and Terry, I'm going to invite you to mention some of those other products so they can people can see it with tomatoes because it, it's easy to realize how much water is in tomatoes. What are some of the other products that you're going to be able to use this process on? Yeah, look, the original uh, invention actually came, as I mentioned, out of the grape industry. So any, the, 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 that industry, the wine industry, do concentrate grapes. Mm-hmm. When I uh, first met the inventor um, in a place called Mildura in Australia, which will probably mean not, nothing to most people listening to this, um, water was being made from carrots at that time. We then moved to tomatoes. We then embarked on uh, a bigger industry being sugar, the sugar cane and sugar beet. So in Australia, we make water from both sugar and from Mm -hmm. tomatoes um, because water is now seasonal. We we often have to change and move the processing unit and follow the harvest season depending on the fruit or vegetable that's being made. We can make it from apples, we can make it from almost almost anything really, pears, etc, etc. So all of those fruit and vegetable industries and sugarcane are now in the water business. Heat's not necessarily a part of the process in those others. Like it is tomatoes, it's just built in. So you have to add whether a, a step to create the evaporation if you're working with a product that's normally cold. No, no, heat, heat applies to all those industries. So what we're doing is what happens is if you're not eating a fruit and vegetable that's fresh, let's say, going into a, a food mar- a, a, a grower's market, the surplus needs to be dealt with. And what, what Ingemar here do with tomatoes, and it's best that Greg tells you that, not me, um, we, we, we need to add value. We need to either make it into a paste or we need to perhaps... Um, uh, slice it or do something else with it but when we're making it into paste or into ketchup or into those things we have to concentrate the original fruit or vegetable down we're taking the water out and that's what we're catching so these industries all have an evaporative process even the distilleries we can make water when they make alcohol we can actually catch that evaporative condensate as well and make water when they're making uh, alcohol Greg, you have customers from your plant, and you are shipping paste to the biggest food companies in in the world are getting paste from you and diced and so forth. What do they think about this story? I mean, there are other places that they can go to purchase products. I mean, do do they recognize what you're doing? Do they encourage you to go this direction? Well, it's an interesting question. The we really haven't uh, promoted it uh, in a material way because uh, we we wanted to uh, to you know to build it, to prove it out, to have some uh, you know water flowing through the unit. Uh, so we had a, a real story to tell as opposed to a, a possible story. Uh, so that, that we have done that. Um, I can say that. I know that many of our, most of our customers are going to be very interested in what we're doing because they're very interested in uh, in their environmental um, obligations and environmental goals that they've set for themselves, both with regard to carbon and water and uh, and trash and uh, you name it. So 
the fact that we're doing this is going to be of great interest to them, and uh, they're going to be curious as to how they can uh, align themselves with us in this in this water in a way to benefit the uh, benefit um, um, you know the uh, the users of and people in our in our area. Well, Greg, just wrapping up, if you um, if people want to know more about what you have uh, going on and your story at Ingemar. Um, why don't you explain to people how they find out so they can keep track of what you're doing with these programs and just know more about Ingemar? Sure. Uh, well, the, our, our website is, uh, is uh, www.ingemarpacking.com. Um, you know, uh, so that's, uh, that's easy. Uh, we are uh, in the process of updating our website to include uh, uh, a page and in information regarding botanical water. Um, so that's, that'll be coming soon. Um, and um, you know, Ingemar is not a name you, you see in the retail markets because we are an ingredient supplier, but uh, it's our product is, uh, is an ingredient in the, in the manufacture of most of the you know, pasta sauces and uh, pizza sauces and tomato juices and um, you name it, anything made from tomato, ketchup. Um, so it's kind of the brand behind the brand. I tell you, these are great stories. And Terry, I want to thank you for having this conversation with us. And, and I, I want to ask you, I think, kind of what's next for you and the company? Where are you headed? And then also the same thing as Greg, in, in that how do people find more that they want to pursue this, want to understand what you're doing? Yeah, in terms of where to next, it's a process. Obviously, we'll, we'll try to roll this out to more sites throughout the U.S. in, in the coming weeks and months and years. The next big part of, of, of the project is we've found a version of, uh, of Greg in India. Um, water scarcity and contamination is a little bit different over there. You know, they're, they're, it's a developing country as opposed to the US as a developed country. Mm-hmm. And we'll be installing these same processes amongst the sugar mills uh, over there. There are over 500 mills each producing, you know, millions of litres of uh, our water each and every day. That's very, very exciting. And finally, where you can uh, contact us, like Greg, um, uh, wegrowwater.com, so that should be easy to remember. There's a fabulous four-minute video on there which tells our story, if, you, if you'd like to share that around. And finally, our bottled, our retail water, we've actually got the same tomato water that you can buy in California now, soon, in places like Sprouts and Bristol Farms, so if anyone wants to try the water itself, it's not, it's not it's not our focus, but certainly um, it'd be it'd be great to, to share our story. Well, I've tried your water, and I am glad that we're able to help share the story. This is exciting. I mean, we talk about growing food, we talk about addressing all of these issues. This is the first conversation I've had that talked about growing water, and and great for these people that are driving down the highway and they're looking at those trucks full of tomatoes and realize that. 95% of that content is really water that's going down right down the highway and it has a chance to be someday at a store near them <laughs> that they can take advantage of it. So I want to thank Terry Paul and Greg Pruitt for joining me on Farm to Table Talk. You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. 